how to be okay in a present moment? Eh? Yeah. How to be happy in yeah. a present moment? Yes. Yes. Yes, to be okay. It is. Okay. How to be okay. Mm-hmm. Another, I think there's one person that hasn't contributed. Who has something on the mind that want to be addressed? to uh, in other words how not to push away things which are uncomfortable oh. <clears throat> yeah because you are saying you have pain, emotion pain and physical pain how to be with it without pushing it away that's what you are saying huh? Yeah. okay I'm trying to paraphrase and say so that I bunch them how to be with pain without pushing it away pushing it Okay. Last one. <clears throat> what do you want to hear? Anybody who didn't contribute? In other words, you came here. You were going to spend the weekend. Why don't you spend it Long Beach? <laughs> yeah, so uh, I told you if you live alone, <laughs> me on my own, I will entertain myself. So I want to talk about what you want to hear. <laughs> and on Monday, I'm not here. <laughs> I'm, I'm flying to Germany and Austria. So that's it until one year. I'm, I come here every year. If you think I'm around here in this block, you won't see me <laughs> to repeat. I'll come here another year. That's why I'm really taking time really to, uh, to, to get into the groove. <laughs> so I'm not in the country, my friend. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay, how to be with pain? Without enjoying it. Without enjoying it. Enjoying it. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Right. Okay. Okay. Any other person who is feel invited to say something? If not, did you say something already? Oh, no. Oh. Okay. Okay. Yes, the tech. Okay, the technique is to be aware of that tension. That's why you are doing walking meditation. That whatever comes up, you make part of the meditation object. Okay. That's it? Okay, great. So let us get started. Uh, let's see how we can address all these questions in one, one go because there seem to be many. 25.
Okay. I'll flip around and find out which is to address and which. I don't know which even order. But let's see. Okay, let's get started. Namo tasa bhagavato arahato sama sambuddhasa Namo tasa bhagavato arahato sama sambuddhasa Namo tasa bhagavato arahato sama sambuddhasa So So these are many questions, but uh, I think we can bunch them together and uh, see the common thread that passes through each question. Today, I intended to talk about concentration, samadhi in Pali. And uh, tomorrow... I'd like to talk about equanimity, but actually I can blend them together so that tomorrow I can actually go deeper in what equanimity is. But still I'm going to address it today, equanimity. Samadhi means, uh, sama means together. So the wholeness of the mind, in other words, when the mind is focused together, is no longer ruffled, then that's what concentration is. It's focus. In fact, the definition of concentration also it's one-pointedness of mind. So one-pointedness of mind, that means the mind is coming together. I don't know if you, you, you have done this experiment of using a convex lens and a concave lens I did it when I was in primary school, when I was taking physics. When you put this concave lens, the the rays are going to be scattered here and there and there. But once you use a convex lens like this, then and put a paper like this, and all all the rays of the sun are going to go into the convex convex lens, and then they're going to be collected on the paper, and they're going to burn the paper. For me, that was the amazing experiment I've ever done in physics. Because I see the sun, but it doesn't burn anybody, unless it's a heat wave. <laughs> but in Uganda, see, in equator, so we don't have those heat waves. So we don't really have that sun that really burn you, really. <laughs> because it's on the equator and it has a very good weather. But when we did it, I saw the paper in flames. I said, wow, that's amazing. This glass has amazing ability to collect all these rays, rays, sun rays, and then focus them on paper and burn it. So that's what concentration does. If our mind is concentrated, the more we gather together wholesome states of mind, and when these wholesome states of mind, they can burn all our defilements like greed, hatred, fear, because they are together. That's why we collect our mind and come to the body instead of scattering it here in the past and the future, looking in Japan, your mind is in England, 
and your body is in New York. So instead of having that kind of situation where your mental energy is scattered, then we are bringing it together eh, where you are looking, you come look here inside the body. When your mind is in London, we put it in here. When your body is in New York, we put it here. Then we are going to have a very strong mind that can gather that energy of the body and mind and it will be so powerful that whenever there is fear, we can actually see fear as it is. We can see whatever it is with that kind of grounding. We are grounded in our body. In fact, the Pali word called jhana means to burn. The highest concentration that you can get is called jhana, which is called absorption. That's part of what you call samadhi, concentration. It can burn things. What are those things? Unwholesome states of mind. The formula for the first jhana is secluded from unwholesome states of mind. In fact, it said that secluded from sensual desires and unwholesome states of mind, one attains the first level of absorption, which is concentration, which is accompanied with initial application of mind, initial thought. That means that, that that's what the initial thought you have to observe something. And then sustaining thought, you have to sustain your attention. When you are concentrated, you have to have an initial thought. Let's say thought of loving kindness, as we said in the morning. And then you have to sustain that thought. And then you have rapture, like kind of a, a gladness like that. Then joy. And then that's how we have one-pointedness of mind. Then we will be in the first general or deep absorption, which we call concentration. I saw this as a preamble to my talk because then you know that state that it's not just become a vegetable. It's actually somewhere when you're in a concentration, uh, it's actually you have to do something. You cannot sit there, oh, I'm concentrating on a breath like this and just work on concentration. There must be something that you have to do like either with the breath, you become aware of the breath, you sustain your attention with the breath, and then once you sustain your attention, you're going to feel gladness, and then you're going to feel joy, and then the mind is going to focus. Somebody who asked me the question that how to... Uh, the theme of this, how to be okay with whatever it is, that question is going to be addressed because the Buddha said a concentrated mind sees things as they really are. It's a concentrated mind that is going, going to see things as they really are. If the mind is scattered, it's not going to see things as they really are. So that's very, very important. In fact, if you have this water and it's full of particles. If every time you're shaking like this, like this, then you're not going to see the bottom. Okay, let us take a swimming pool. If you go in a swimming pool, it's a lot of leaves there, and then you churn it, you churn it, and then all leaves and particles start playing like this. Are you going to see the fish there? Because everything is just 
like this. But if you want to see what's really on that pole, you stop churning it. And then you're going to see, oh, there's a fish there, there's a fish there, there's a fish there, there's a fish there. So we are trained to churn our mind every time. <laughs> every time is just on a roller coaster. So we need to let the mind alone. And that's when we come to the body, we are letting the mind alone at least so that we are not holding on to, <laughs> to the mind. And then from that place we can see without holding on to it. Because when we hold it, we are actually causing a lot of problems. There's a monk who, uh, who are given a very good example. He says that people, why they seek concentration, but they don't get it, is like this. When they hold the water, this cup has water, so they hold it like this, then they, like this, every time the mind is not concentrated, you see? Because every time you're holding it, like even when you do like this stillness like this, no, it, it doesn't get concentrated. Because there's some shaking because you're breathing. So the, if you want concentration, you have to leave this cup alone. Put it there. Now, you leave it for a moment. Ah, it's has settled. Do you have a chance to leave your mind alone? <laughs> we always grab it. In fact, most of the time, this is what we are doing. We are, actually, this is what we are doing. We do like this. Is it concentrated? You put it there. Is it concentrated? <laughs> we keep on checking again and again and again. And again. Then we get in a way of our concentration and we don't see things as they really are. Yet the Buddha told us a concentrated mind sees things as they really are, but we never allow the mind to see things as they really are because all the time we are agitated with the restlessness, with sleepiness, Everything that you mentioned here, that's what uh, makes us unconcentrated and not concentrated. Everything you have mentioned here since the morning, that's what keeps you away from concentration. Fear, anxiety, uh, obsessive thoughts, everything you mentioned, we're going to address everything here. <laughs> In fact, that is part of my talk. That's why I say, you say what you want to hear, and then I see if it plugs in. It plugs in in what I want to say. If you have no equanimity, if you fail to gain concentration, it's either of the five things. One of those five things that you have mentioned, actually. Most of it are related. One is expectation. Somebody asked about the expectation. Yeah, I did a course. I've paid some money. Let's say $250. You go for the retreat. Yes, I might get in Latin today. So then you sit there. Then you expect, ah, yeah, maybe I'm in Latin now. Welcome to checking out. <laughs> ah, you know, one day to the retreat to end, I like to gain concentration. Then you focus. Focus. Over-focusing. Yeah, yes, maybe. Should you actually have some doses of sleepiness? Ah, then you wake up. Ah, I must be concentrated now. But it was sleepiness. But because we are expecting so much the concentration, then we actually just say we are concentrated, actually. But actually, all the time, we will be in asleep. All the time, we will be in asleep. Now, if you want to focus, 
you have to let go your expectation. Why we have to go let go of expectation? Because it's a sort of form of attachment. Whenever we expect, there's some attachment. And usually, when we don't get what we expected, then we get frustrated. Because uh, when we have expectation, we actually kind of project what we want. And the difference between expectation and uh, what we get, there's a divergence between what we expected, what we envisioned, and what we actually get. In time we have that gap, then we are frustrated. We suffer a lot. In fact, that the wider the gap, the more the suffering. Yes. So expectation is very good before you come to the retreat. Eh? You plan and all this. But once you start t- sitting here, you want to actually transform your expectation into aspiration. Okay, may I be happy. May I be peaceful. It's an aspiration. It's an intention. All right? So it's very, very important to work on your expectation because somebody asked uh, how to work with the expectation. You can transform your expectation into actually what we call inspiration or aspiration. You can aspire to attain final enlightenment, but don't get so much expectation. I mean, don't uh, so much expect uh, unrealistically and say, okay, you know, this sitting, I'm going to be happy, and after this sitting, I'm going to walk out of this meditation center, I'll be flying like an angel, <laughs> really very, very happy and with a smile, and everybody is going to ask me, what have you been doing this weekend? And when I go home, everybody will be able to see this wide smile, <laughs> and everybody will think that I'm enlightened. So we expect all these things but actually we'll be frustrated when we go here out of this and somebody really cross us like this and the whole thing went, go out of the window say, I thought I've been over the weekend here with Bante trying to cultivate equanimity and where's this equanimity? Maybe this teaching doesn't work but it's because we have put expectation how about letting things be as they are? So anyway, what we call the five hindrances which like desire can be in terms of expectation and attachment. This is something you ask. There is also aversion. Aversion comes in different uh, it, it comes in different forms of fashion. There is aversion or anger or hatred geared uh, or turned towards ourselves. That's called guilty. We feel guilty about something. Self-pity. That's kind of internalizing anger. It's directed towards ourselves. There's also anger directed towards others. And then it becomes aggressive, aggressiveness, oppression. So either way, whether it's directed towards ourselves or towards others, anger is very unhealthy because it undermines our healthy. Live alone, concentration, happiness, wisdom, and enlightenment. It undermines this kind of thing. That's why we call it a hindrance, because it hinders our happiness. Then there's another thing you addressed also as part of the hindrance, which is called sleepiness. How to overcome sleepiness. 
and dullness. I'm going to address it. Another person asked how to overcome restlessness and worry. Another person, no, nobody asked this, but actually I can include it, which is doubt. What are we doing here? <clears throat> so that's called doubt. So that pretty much will cover the things that you really need to cover because somebody asked how to deal with the anxiety. Anxiety is a part of aversion. While fear is actually aversion to the present danger, anxiety is actually aversion to the future danger. What's going to happen when I have this interview? What is going to happen when uh, I, I don't do this, uh, I don't turn in this work? My boss is going to get angry. So then we get anxious. So really this pretty much covers everything. The rest we are going to address it in the Q&A. Okay. First, to see things as they really are, you need what you call mindfulness. That's a technique which is called mindfulness. Mindfulness means to pay attention to what's going on in the present moment. Now, three things you do to your body. There are three things that you do to your body, all of you. You clean your body, don't you? Raise your hand if you don't clean your body. <laughs> I'm not putting you on a spot. <laughs> actually, there are people actually who don't do in, in, in Tibet because it's high up there, there's no water. Hardly you get water. So you really meet these guys who have spent almost one month without killing their body. But they are very happy. They clean their mind. <laughs> they clean their mind. Very happy, really. I've never pe seen people who are happy like Tibetan. I was there in Tibet for a month and a half. Wonderful guys. They clean their mind. So I didn't want to overshoot. <laughs> I don't know. People might not have some water there in their house and all that. But anyway, we do clean the body, isn't it? Then, we look at our bodies in a mirror, don't we? Raise your hand if you never looked in a mirror. And if you don't have a mirror, at least you look in water. You can see your face. That's what we do in Africa. If you don't have a mirror, you just go in water. Look in the water. You can't see yourself. Either way it works. We want to see how we look like. We want to see whether our hair has gone haywire. We look at our makeup and all this. Don't we do these things? We do it every day. On daily basis, we look at our beard, we look at our eyelashes. We do this. Don't we? Another thing, we feed this body. We give it nice food, we make it that it's whole, whole foods. Eh? with nutrients, multivitamin, especially in America. Wow. You go to Africa, they, cannot care, they could not care about these vitamins. Actually, for me, the first time I think I knew about vitamins is when I came to America. I started eating chemistry. I went to this center in Massachusetts. I saw people taking vitamin C, vitamin B, and say, what are these people doing? In Africa, I just keep on eating. And when you get sick, maybe they can pop a vitamin C or something like that. But people, in fact, when I, I'm kind of Americanized, actually. When I go to Uganda, I have a bunch of vitamins <laughs> to take care of my body. 
because actually I travel a lot, I need to take care of my body. And many countries I covered since Kenya. <laughs> I was behind Kenya, actually. Janelle, uh, Janelle, uh, we were together in Kenya. I told you my trip to Kenya with those lions and all that. So since Kenya, I've been to, Thai, uh, to Thailand, Sri Lanka, Italy, Spain, US. <laughs> so I have been really on a road for a long time, but I have to take a lot of vitamins, really, because I miss proper meals sometimes. So anyway, I'm not saying that you shouldn't take these vitamins, but what I say, how much energy we put into feeding our body with the proper vitamins. Alright? Now there's a big question here. How much time do we give to our mind? Do we really pay attention to it? Yet, and yet, it's the mind that's very important than the body. You might protest, but I'm telling you, the science has found that mind over body. The mind is stronger than the body. That's why I'm still impressed by those Tibetans who didn't take shower, but they are very happy in their mind because it was clean. I'm not encouraging you not to take shower, but I'm saying it's amazing what the, the mind can do when it's clean. At the very least, you are going to feel happy. You are going to be balanced. You're not going to be thrown off the balance. Because you have mindfulness through meditation, uh, which means purifying your mind, you are purifying all the things you are saying. Mind, mindfulness, the importance of mindfulness is to purify your mind from greed, hatred, delusion, anxiety, fear, all these things you have mentioned. To purify it, to wash it. In other words, it's your bathroom. When I teach in Brazil, there's a physician whom I visit. It's amazing he has two kinds of bathroom next to each other. One is actually where you take a shower, and another one is a, a meditation hall with a Buddha statue and a cushion. So you can actually go and take a shower. You bathe your body, and then after that, you've got the cushion to wash your mind. <laughs> And remove all the anxiety and impurities and all this. So I thought that was a good model. How you have a bathroom for the mind and the body. Do we have that at home? No. We have only the bathroom for the body. We need to create that space. Even when you are not going to go there, you know, even if you create that space. Because nobody told us. Uh, to do this. So actually we don't have even a space that is actually put aside for our mind to respect, to honor that space so that everybody knows this is a place to sit, quiet, when all the TVs are going on and all that. At least there's one space which is quiet where you can retire and people are going to respect that. I remember when I was in Massachusetts, there was this uh, uh, kid when I was sitting meditating in 2000 there, then the mom said, oh, don't go to Stephen. That time I was called Stephen. He's meditating. So this kid will come. He was almost three years. Stephen, are you meditating? <laughs> Even a three-year kid was respecting this space. So you create this space at home. Everybody is going to respect that. This is a bathroom for the, for the mind to ground yourself. So we need actually to clean our mind the way we clean our body so that we are going to feel fresh. Why are we off balance? Why are we not having equanimity? Because 
we actually don't clean our minds. That's it. Well, do you mind? Do you can you imagine how if you have spent a week without brushing your teeth? How are you going to feel? Maybe as you are talking, you're going to feel some kind of anxiety. Maybe somebody is just sensing my breath. Actually, I did it for one time. I, 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 missed, I missed a morning brushing of my teeth. <laughs> and then I was conscious whether actually people are feeling my breath. <laughs> are we conscious about our mind when we have spent a day without meditating? No, we don't. Now, mindfulness is like a mirror. In fact, if you want to know how to ground yourself and how, how mindfulness works, mindfulness has a, a mirror quality, the quality of the mirror. Because when you see the mirror, it just shows what is there. It doesn't say, okay, today you are beautiful, today you are ugly. No. When you look at the mirror, it just shows what is there. So you want to develop mindfulness for the sake of grounding yourself so that you can see things as they really are. That's your question you ask, how do I see things as they really are? It's because due to constant mindfulness that actually one mindful moment after another mindful moment, when one mindful moment after the other mindful moment, they become stronger, then you are going to gain concentration. But the problem, when we, 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 don't, we have gaps, we have gaps, this mindfulness, then this thinking about past and the future, then another dose of mindfulness, so we have gaps. Then, what happens when we leave these gaps? Fear, anxiety come through, join our body, our mind, and then we feel uptight and off balance. Even when somebody makes a comment, oh, today you, I like your hair do. Then you go in the mirror and say, no, no, actually it's not so good. Then, <laughs> I mean, somebody just make a really genuinely positive comment, but then you keep on doubting Ah, they're just bragging, they're just frattling. So we have a lot of things, you know. And if they make a negative comment, the holiday is finished. <laughs> hey, darling, welcome. Honey, sit here. You know my holiday is kaput. So somebody said one word and your day is bad, actually. The whole day. I was teaching now Australia, actually. Uh, <clears throat> then somebody was sitting there. Never meditated. And then went down to go home I, after my meditation and I talked about how to manage anger, anger management but he didn't want to, I think, continue for meditation so he went down, that was in Melbourne the whole parking lot was full of cars and he could not go out he could not go out of the, the park he was very angry and he had to come back to, to meditate when we finished meditation he went back. The next day when he went home, he was applying the techniques that I gave him during meditation. He was hooked to meditation because he knew how to overcome anger, how to clean his mind. And that was his journey to start meditating. If he had left, he would not give the techniques of how to overcome anger. So this works. I've seen it working. People, when apply this technique, they can overcome anger. So you use mindfulness to see the, what is going on in the present moment. N not what is ought to be or what you think should be. What, not what others sh think, sh think should be, but really what's taking place. Once you really watch what's taking place, then you can clean the mess. 
Let's say if you've been eating and you have a lot of spinach on your teeth and you got a mirror, what happens when you got a mirror and you have spinach, spinach on your teeth? Then you can remove it. But if you don't, you don't look in the mirror, you just keep on smiling and, <laughs> and then people... <laughs> I mean, some people will tell you that you have spinach, but most people they will feel shy to tell you that. Then all the time you carry spinach around you, around, around. So that you need a mirror. You need other people to tell you. So you need mindfulness to tell you anxiety and all that. Once you see it, then actually you can deal with it. Before you don't have mindfulness and you don't see it. How are you going to clean stuff that you don't see? Even when this room is dark and has dust and all this. If you don't see it, how are you going to clean it? It's only when you start seeing things as they really are, then you'll be motivated to clean it. So don't underestimate the power of mindfulness. Because usually when people come to interviews, I say, be mindful of anger, be mindful of anxiety. I say, Bando, what do you mean? Just to be mindful of it? I don't want to be mindful of pain. But actually mindfulness itself is, has a pay, power. If it, that's what the Buddha said. Uh, mindfulness can purify our mind, body, and all this. It can purify our mental uh, mental defilements, greed, hatred, and delusion, and also it, you can overcome sorrow and lamentation. You can overcome depression. Somebody talked about depression. You can overcome depression. Deep pressed, because you are pressed with these, thing, uh, the, these things, or you actually allow these defilements and anxiety, fear, to be deep sleep. They are deep, they are, they are deep rested. They are deep rested. <laughs> So you get depression because you have allowed these things to deep rest. So they're having a deep rest there, fear, anxiety, because you're not seeing it. But once you see this, you say, hey, buddy, wake up. This fear, I can't see you. Hey, I watch you now. Then it's not going to be bad. It's not going to change into difficult emotions because you're seeing it as it is. Okay. This is the way how to do it. The first tool is mindfulness. Every time you're mindful. The second tool, of course, every time let's say if it's watch the body, whenever anxiety arises, turn it, be mindful of it. Fear, fear, fear. Anger, anger, anger. When you do this, my friend, let's say if anger rises and you become mindful of anger, this is what happens because I don't know whether you know that. There are two things. One is anger, another is object of anger. Do you see? One is anger, another is object of anger. Do you get me? In other words, somebody who made you anger, angry. When you become aware of anger as a mind state, then anger is going to subside. But if you focus on the object of anger, maybe a person, a situation, your pet, or a dog, then you are going to be more angry. Because you cannot see the object uh, anger itself, you can't see with your naked eyes, that means you can see it with your mind rising and passing away and all that. So if you allow yourself to see anger as a mind state, you are on a journey to freedom. You are on a journey to grounding yourself because you see it as a mind state. It might be not easy to look at it, but my friend, that's the path to freedom. If you, on the other hand, if you are not mindful 
and you just watch the object of anger, let's say person, your boss, your mother, your spouse, and you just become, you just focus on a person, then you are leaving anger alone. And that's what we do usually by justifying anger. They did this to me and all this. And then this is a journey to bondage. This is a journey to suffering when we focus on the object of anger. Ask why. Every time we see somebody who's responsible for our anger, ha, we multiply that into six times. When we see that person, we get angry. When we think about that person, we get angry. When we know they are sent, they wear. Oh, there she comes. There he comes. Ah, sit together on a, prime, a, a, a train ride. Yeah? Let's say you're riding in a train and sit together and happen to touch, more anger. You see? By focusing on anger as a mental state, you're not angry so much. But by focusing on the object of anger, you multiply it by six because of the six senses we have. That's why the multiplying factor is six. You are going to be six times as angry and you're not going to be grounded. You're going to have these arrows shooting yourself with other arrows. All right? Let's say somebody say you're a pig. Right? Somebody insult you that you're a pig. Then, because of unmindfulness, you are going to buy into that. And you say, I'm not a pig. Say, you're a pig. I'm not a pig. And then, you exchange some blows. <laughs> and then, you go home hating that person. So, whenever you see that person, you're going to get angry. Whenever you think, you're going to get angry. Whenever you use any of the senses, you're going to get angry. That's why it's very, very important to focus on the object of, uh, to, uh, on anger as an object of anger. The beauty of, mindful, uh, of the mind, this is how the mind actually works to our advantage. It can take one object at a time. This now we are going into Buddhist psychology. Since the, ob- the mind can take one object at a time, so once you become mindful of anger, then at the same time, you cannot be mindful of the object of anger. You see how the mind works? That's why always we invite you to be with fear, to be with anxiety, so that you see what it is. Because at the same time, you cannot be mindful of that Mr. X or Miss X. Because the mind can take one object at a time. But of course, what we do in day life, we actually multitask the present moment. And then we see the, the movie, and then we're eating, and then we're listening to music. Then we delude ourselves that actually the mind is doing all these things effectively, but actually the mind cannot do those things effectively. The price you pay for this is anxiety, stress, because you are multitasking your brain, your mind. It's good for business as you are sending email. You actually listen to the phone, even you do like this with the phone. Yes, how are you? Yes. And you're driving and then you're eating something. It's good for business. You can, they can, it can make good money. But in terms of your growing their life, you will need a little bit of massage by the time you go home because you are not paying attention to your body. Because you are all the time on the phone like me. You build a lot of stress. 
So the key is to take one thing at a time. Of course, you can do all these things and get good salary, paycheck. But when you go home, remind yourself to take one thing at a time. All right? So mindfulness is very effective. The next point, if you want to. I'm not going to say once each and I'm just going to give example of things that you stated like desire and, all, and um, anxiety and all this. The second point is do what we call acceptance. What is acceptance or attitude? Don't try to push away that experience. Don't try to indulge in that experience. Because usually when we push away things is because we don't like them. We don't like them, we push away things. Things we like, we, we actually get, I want more and more. Things we don't know, we actually just don't bear. We just get kind of uh, indifferent. My friend, indifference is not the same as equanimity. Indifference, this can disguise itself as equanimity, but actually it means that you are ignoring. When you have indifference, that means you are ignoring the situation. This attitude is very important because it's so much ingrained in our daily life. Because whenever we see a friend, we like them. Yeah, come for dinner. So, because we like them. So the motivating factor is more of a desire to be with them and all that. Then, whenever there's the enemy, we don't like them. But have you ever asked why don't you like enemy? It's because of aversion in your mind. Then when you see somebody you don't know, you, you call them a stranger. Do you know why you call somebody you don't know a stranger? Because you have igno ignorance. You ignore them. That's why you call a stranger. I don't know you. Where are you coming from? What do you like? You're trying to ignore them. So that's why the practice of equanimity is very good so that you see beings as beings. When it comes to mind states, just have an attitude of trying to understand what's going on. The proper attitude then is trying to understand. Other than pushing it away or indulging in it or ignoring it. So when you do that, you are going to have equanimity. So the first step is called mindfulness. The second step, the second thing is called A, which stands for attitude. You remember the word male. Male, like males, you know how to male things? That's exactly what you want to do to get, to get, to get this grounding. I'm going through four steps that you need to get really ground. Write the word male. I've finished mindfulness. Another one is attitude. Right? Then you can mail all your anxiety, uh, aversion, all the things you can mail them. <laughs> you don't have to stay with them. <laughs> you just keep on mailing. <laughs> Whenever they come, just mail them. You can mail to me, actually. I know what to do with them. I have a big, big uh, trash can without a bottom. Whenever you mail me, I just put there and just go down. Now, A stands for attitude. When you have this attitude, uh, uh, this um, attitude, whenever something comes, have the attitude of trying to understand something. Not just pushing it away. Not indulging. Not ignoring. That's very important. Then you are going to have equanimity. 
because you are not trying to push away things. That's one extreme. Try to indulge, that's another extreme. Trying to ignore, another extreme. But you are trying to understand it. Through this understanding, then we can actually know, oh, this is another mind state that's arising. So let us say pain, when pain arises. When pain arises, so you become mindful of pain. Instead of just reaching a panadol, because somebody said how to work with pain, instead of reaching a panadol and take it, I want to understand this pain. Then my understanding will be, oh, is it throbbing? Is it, uh, is it hammering? Is it stabbing? Is it uh, heat? Is it coldness? Is it, so I'm trying to see the nature of pain other than the automatic reaction of, of changing the posture. I'm not with you who is changing the posture. <laughs> I'm not against changing posture. You can change a posture by being mindful of it as you change your posture. First, you become aware of the intention to change the posture. Intention, intention. In fact, even you can release. Just release like this and then continue. Then you can release like this when there's a lot of pain. And then, after that, you can make the intention to change the posture. Intention to change the posture. And then you become, still you are in the body, trying to change the posture. And then you sit. In that way, you are trying to understand all the way the nature of pain. That helps a lot, dealing with the pain. Then, when you is so much is raging, you can investigate into the elements, different elements. Sometimes there's hotness, coldness, sometimes there's pressure, tightness. So once you break pain into different elements, you are going actually to deal with different strands that what you call pain. Uh, You are going to break it apart. So it's not going to be a, a solid thing like a bell sitting in a knee. It's just going to be one sensation after the other. So that's how we deal with pain. We try to investigate whether this pressure is going, is it increasing and all that. That's physical pain. But with emotion pain, we need mindfulness. We need also the attitude. Because most of the time when people have anxiety, they say, and I'm an anxious person. When they have depression, I'm a depressed person. It's going to stay forever. And then that's why they become even more depressed. Depressed. Because they're the ones who are pressing these things down. Oh, they, when they have anger, I shouldn't be angry. No, there's no shouldn't. Just observe anger as a mental state, as it is, and be equanimous when it is present. When you have understanding, then you have grounding, you have equanimity with it. Before that, when it comes, ah, I don't want to be angry. <laughs> well, then we, get, we, we, we start going to the object of anger. My friend, going to, for the object of anger is an, is an extreme because you are going to be even more angry. So, it's very, very important. I in male stands for investigation. You cut out some investigation. Whenever there's a mind state, it doesn't matter which mind state, whether it's desire, whether it's aversion, whether it's uh, uh, whatever it is. You, uh, you have mentioned many states of mind. You investigate it. How does it feel in the body when you have fear? How does it feel in the, in the mind? How does it, uh, uh, let's say when you have anger, you know why you, what you feel when you are angry? Some feel tightness, tightness in the chest, sometimes in the jaws, so you need to open the jaw. Not too wide, but 
but just open, loosen the jaws. Because whenever I'm uptight, I clinch my, my jaws. I crunch like this. Try to let it go. Relax. Then the mind also becomes more agitated. So try to take a deep breath, relax, and watch how the mind feels. So this is kind of investigation to know how when anger rises, when anxiety, how does it feel in the body? Because the body is a biofeedback. When you have anxiety, the body starts to, uh, to actually like, get agitated. So then when you do that, you actually you are trying to understand it. You are trying to uh, find out how, the way how things are. And they, you are actually trying to find a solution to anxiety. Before we are reacting... But what we need is to respond. Exactly that's what A stands for. Don't react. Respond. Respond is with understanding. Reacting is irrational. Whenever something comes, if you want to uh, go out of the present moment, react. Because reaction is based on your prejudice, your biases of aversion, anger, and all these desired things to go away, and also your confusion and delusion. That's what we call improper attitude. So you want to have the right attitude where you can respond by, through wisdom and understanding. So this is very, very important. Then along with the investigation, once you have responded with the understanding, then you are going to see this mental state. Is it arising? Is it increasing or staying the same? Then you are gaining wisdom. You are getting wiser even if there's anxiety, even if there's a fear, at least you are trying to see what we call insight meditation. Insights into impermanence and satisfactoriness and impersonal nature of that experience. Then, the next L in male stands for letting go. Letting go. That's what you need with all these negative emotions. Nobody told us to let go anxiety. Anxiety, when it comes in, we hold on to it like this. Anxiety, fear, we hold on. Uh, fear, we hold on. You know, it's like we have these little, little hooks in our life with baits dingling like this. Like this. So whenever it passes around, we're hooked. Uh, then, then fear comes, we, let, we hold on. In fact, the Kali word is called raga, raga. That's the Pali word. It means gluing. Gluing. So we are glued to even negative states of mind. Even things that bring suffering, we glue. Why? Because desire, attachment, gluing has two functions. One is desire to get and desire to push away. Whether it's desire to push away or desire to get is actually another gluing. So when we have anger or fear, then we want to push it away and we cling on to it. We cling on even to difficult emotions. So friends, this how to mail me your difficult situations that you have. You can mail it to nature. <laughs> it has an address. You put it there. <laughs> if anything happens, whatever happens, you become mindful of it. Then you have the attitude of actually trying to understand it other than pushing it away. Then you investigate it. 
Then you let go. In other words, don't say, I'm an angry person. Because once you, you say, I'm an angry person, I am is an addition. I is addition. Am, addition. Anger is addition. What's really going on is anger. It's a mental state. But we hold on, I'm angry. My knee is paining. No. What's going on is pain. You say, my knee is paining? No. There's no your knee. It's just pain. And there's no pain, actually. <laughs> I don't want to scare you. But there's no pain. Pain is a concept. What you put on to unpleasant feelings. What's really going on is pressure, tightness, hotness, pulling, stabbing, hammering. That's what's going on. So once you become mindful, then actually you can see these different strands that you, have, you call pain. Really, in meditation, it's very interesting that you actually, mind, mindfulness brings you closer where you can see for yourself that actually this is just hammering. It's not a solid thing sitting here. Because you can see different strands rising, passing away and all these things. So the rest of the question we are going to address in other forums. Like we are going to have a discussion together. I think this is enough to remember the word mail, to mail your anxiety and aversion, to mail your worries. Okay, what's worry? Worry is actually uh, worrying good things that left undone and also bad things you did. That's worry. Anytime you feel worry, it's either of those two. Good thing that you, oh, I, I would have done, oh, I didn't go to my friend's birthday. Then you worry. <laughs> then, oh, oh, I did this. Oh, why did I do this? Restlessness is because of worry. So this mind state, sleepiness, you do the same thing. Of course, with sleepiness, you can stand up if it's too much. And also you can use more contact with the body, contact point. So everything is here, you can mail them, no problem. Everything here. I've seen here things like uh, restlessness, I've seen uh, worthlessness, low esteem, fear, depression. All those things you can mail them. How to deal with difficult emotion, mail them. We are, we are good. We are good. <laughs> okay, we are going to address this in a Q&A. And I, want you, I don't want you to have more emotion of anxiety because you've been sitting for a long time. So I want me to stand and then you are going to ask questions. So let us stand for a moment. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.